I want us to go into the Word right now. And we're going to turn several different places, but we're actually going to start out in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, and then we're also going to be turning over a few pages into the book of Leviticus. So as we go to the book of Exodus, as you turn there, I want to talk to you a little bit about some things. Uh, I want to share a little bit with you. My wife is one of one of these people that I'm going to speak of. Uh, the, the essential oils. How many of you all like essential oils? It's, a, it's more of a lady thing. Y'all do the essential oils. There's two or three hands here. We, we get into the essential oil. We got peppermint oil. We got, we got, uh, I call it that Frankenstein, but Sarah said it's frankincense. I thought Frankenstein oil. Frankincense and, and, uh, strawberry oil and peppermint oil and, Skunk oil, we got all, well, there's all kind of oils out there, you know. Uh, my wife's a believer in those oils. I, I am not so sure about them yet. Lots of folks are doing them though. Uh, Sarah's one of those people. She's an oil person, except when it comes to adding oil to your car. She had to add oil to the car while I was in Peru. And I won't tell you the rest of the story. She did as good as she, she did best she, she did as best she could. Sarah has oils for headaches. My wife. She has headache oil. She has joint pain oil. She has indigestion oil. I think she has oil for lumbago, lice, cooties, you name it. She has it. You know, you may be one of those people. It's big business in America right now, actually over the, all over the world. The essential oil market last year was, was estimated to be worth $22 billion. That means some of y'all buying a lot of oil. Okay, probably me, and I just don't know it. 22, it's a $22 billion business. It's expected by the end of this year to increase another 8%. So if those of you that are engaged in stock market, you may, you may want to invest in the oil company, uh, the essential oil company. People all over the world, they're sniffing it, they're warming it, they're rubbing it on and doing all these things. But I want you to know that, that there is another oil. I don't know if these oils work or not. My wife says they do. I'm not sure. You have to draw your own conclusion about those oil. But I am certain that the oil that is mentioned in Scripture is the oil of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, it thoroughly works. And He desires, He being the Lord, desires to saturate each and every one of us in the oil of His presence. So with that being said, I want you to go to Exodus chapter 30, verse number 22, and then we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 30, verse number 20 through 25, we find there, 22 through 25, we find that the Lord says to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, and according to the sanctuary shekel, a hen of olive oil. 
Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer, and it will be the sacred anointing oil. Then if you'll flip over to Leviticus. When you come to Leviticus, we read there in Leviticus Leviticus chapter 8, we read there about uh, the anointing of Aaron. Moses is anointing Aaron. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled, notice that words. he sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and the basin with its stand to consecrate them. But then in verse 12, We find a different word. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then he brought Aaron's son forward and put tunics on them, tied sashes around them, and fastened caps on them as the Lord commanded Moses. There is a biblical principle that we uh, can easily determine when it comes to the use of oil. And it's the law of reoccurrence. When you study the Bible, you find that under the law of reoccurrence, which means that something or the likeness of something reappears repeatedly, there is a message that's to be conveyed through that principle or that law of reoccurrence. Uh, That principle has been very effective in advertising. You see it in the... Uh, if, if you sit down to watch TV, ever, any of y'all ever get tired of watching the same commercial over and over in one TV show? You know, Sarah and I like watch a lot of the old TV shows and old movies and stuff and shoot them up, the cowboy movies. And, and I guess because they think that it's old people that's watching it and it's got money they want to give away, they keep on running these 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 commercials about help the little dogs and help the little cats and they show the little cats and the little dogs. And I will tell Sarah sometimes, I get so tired of seeing this same thing over and over and over. Just go back and let me see what Matt Dillon is doing. You know. But, but it's that, it's that law of reoccurrence and it's used in advertising. Uh, and throughout all the ages it's appeared more than 200 times in scripture. Oil is used. Oil is used that 200 times, which very much brings it into the law or brings it into the principle of reincurrence. And because the oil is used that many times, we see it very important. And every time the illustration of oil illustrates the significance of the Holy Spirit. I want to share just a few of those occurrences. In our text that we read this morning... Uh, Moses is obeying the instruction of the Lord as he anoints or he pours the oil over Aaron for priestly service. Samuel purchased oil in 1 Samuel 16 and 13. Samuel purchased oil and anointed David with it. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord was upon David. If you read 1 Kings 19 and 16, you find there that God instructed Elijah to anoint Elisha with oil, and Elisha becomes the replacement of Elijah. 
In Psalms 133, we find that, that the psalmist uh, uh, mentions the anointing of Moses anointing Aaron and he compares the unity of the oil that was poured out, that oil being poured over Aaron's head dripped down over his beard and went down over his garments and to the soles of his feet he compares that anointing to the unity of the church. If you read, uh, if you read in verse 9 in Hebrews 1, verse number 9, you find that it, it speaks of God's anointing with the oil of joy. If you read then in Jesus' writings, or in Luke's writings, the, the synopsis of the Gospels in Luke chapter 4, you find that Jesus said this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we see the anointing or the oil being poured out over Jesus. Paul taught about the anointing in his New Testament writings as he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 21-22, Paul says, Now it is God who makes both us and you to stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, which means the pouring over of oil. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. There's a priestly oil that we see in this uh, in this picture this morning. This priestly oil was the one that Aaron and his sons were tapped into uh, the future or the promises of God. You see, Aaron became oiled up and ready to serve the will of God. He became a priest. And because of the promises of the kingdom and Aaron's anointing that Moses has anointed Aaron to serve in... There will be two million people that will be set free. There's a promise of a tabernacle that will follow. A tabernacle in the wilderness and, and after the tabernacle there will be a temple that will follow. It all began with this priestly anointing that, that, that Moses begins to pour the oil over Aaron's head and it flows down his hair through his probably very thick, very long beard and over his garments and runs down to the soles of his shoes. Listen, anointing the priest was a big deal. Anointing the priest was, was a very sacred act because these men were the representation, if you would, of the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. Because Christ had not yet become incarnate and lived for us. The Spirit of God manifested Himself in the lives of men. And many were considered and were prophets. And many people uh, operated in a prophetic voice of the Lord. In Exodus chapter 30 and verse 25, 23 through 25, we see that recipe for anointing oil. And, uh, and I want to read it from the uh, New Living Translation because it gives you uh, a little bit better understanding than some of the older English versions. And, and, and the interpretation or the, of the recipe is this. Collect choice spices. Twelve and a half pounds of pure myrrh. Myrrh. myrrh six and a quarter... 
Six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon. Six and a quarter pounds of fragrant calamus. And twelve and a half pounds of cassia. As measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Also use a gallon of olive oil. Like a skilled incense maker. Blend these together to make a holy anointing oil. Now what this, what this did. It's estimated when all of this is taken and mixed together. It mixes up six gallons of oil. Six gallons of anointing oil. You know, we've got, uh, I don't know where, here's my little bottle. You know, we keep a little anointing oil around. You know, this is probably just plain olive oil unless somebody's put spices in it. Yeah, it's just plain olive oil. Sometimes we'll have it and we'll have a little myrrh in it and a little some cinnamon spices, you know, to smell it up and keeping with what the scripture uh, describes as anointing oil. But But the reality of it is, this was a very serious matter. We have six gallons of oil mixed up. And this six gallons of oil was, was estimated to be of a value of about $3,000 in the day that it was mixed. So what we're saying is this is something very expensive. This is something that was a big deal. This was something that was, was not lightly to be... There were, there were people that gave up May, perhaps, if you would, their life savings. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But these were people that give up a whole lot just to create this oil. This oil was considered to be therapeutic in common practice. It was used for healing. If there was wounds, oil would be poured into the wounds. It was used for comfort measures and, 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 and it was used, uh, not, not ordinarily was it owned or used in generous measures because it was so precious and it was such a privilege to own such oil. And this gives me a little bit better understanding when we when we read in the New Testament about Mary Magdalene, and Mary Magdalene goes in and she she breaks her 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 box of oil, she breaks it and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus, and and and, and she begins to be accused of being wasteful of oil that could be used for so many good things. And and you may have heard that story. If not, you can you can look that up. And and, and but I understand where Mary was coming from when she says, "I." take the most expensive thing, the most valuable thing I have, the most worthy thing I have, and I'm going to pour it out all over my Savior's feet to soothe His feet. And the naysayers stood around and they didn't understand that. They didn't, they didn't grasp that, but they hadn't been delivered from demons like Mary Magdalene had either. So when we begin to think about the oil being poured out, when you take notice of the scriptures I read, I ask you to notice the word sprinkle. The articles of the tabernacle were sprinkled upon. The, the different fixtures, the altar rail itself, the oil was probably put in a piece of, uh, of, of hyssop or some type of weed. And it was probably a little bit of oil in it and it was shaken over the articles of the temple and a little bit of sprinkle, just a, a little bit of hint of the oil was spread throughout the temple. But when it came to the anointing of the priest, when it came to the anointing of Aaron, we find in the scripture that 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 it says that the oil was poured over his head. It probably wasn't just a bottle like this little bottle that I have here this morning on the podium. But it, it may not have been the six gallons, but it probably was very close. 
But it, it's considered that, 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 that Aaron would kneel, Aaron the kneel or the priest in an anointing service and the priest would kneel and, and, and then a, a, a large cruise or a large container of oil would be poured over the head and it would saturate the life of the priest. I thought about using Heath as another illustration this morning. But I decided not to because I didn't know how he was with oil. But it was more than just a sprinkle. It was more than a mediocre dropper full or even a teaspoonful. I want you to see that when God called people into the priesthood, He saturated them with His oil. He saturated them with His Spirit. I want you to stay with me because I don't bring this into you and me in just a little bit. So we find in Psalms 133, Aaron was saturated with that fragrant oil. His hair, his beard, his outer priestly garment, even his inner garment. Can I just say it? Aaron was soaked down to his underwear. He was soaked to his bloomers in oil. He was saturated. Even, even, even his sandals. Listen, Aaron's skin absorbed some of the oil that was poured out. It was absorbed into the pores of his skin. Not only did his skin, his, his, his clothing, not only did his skin appear to be oily, but this aromatic creation that had been made according to the order of God would cause Aaron to smell such a fragrance that he could probably be smell, you could probably smell Aaron coming from here all the way down to the Intersection. Aaron could be smelled during the middle of the night. Aaron could be smelled wherever Aaron went. Aaron walked by. Even after he walked by, his his physical appearance had turned the corner and he was gone. People could still smell, smell the fragrance. The priestly fragrance of who Aaron was. For days, days and days... Any of y'all ever peeled onions before and get the scent in your hands and it lasts for days? I've tried lava soap. I've tried sawdust. I've tried, and it just gets down in your skin and you can't get rid of it. Listen, the fragrance of the anointing, the anointing oil, the priestly anointing oil, which was representative of the presence of God, went so deep into the pores of the skin of the priest that you could smell him for days. Some of y'all ain't got this yet. But you're going to. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit desires to saturate you and I in such a way. He desires to saturate us in such a way that, that, that our appearance, you know, Aaron's appearance had changed. His, his, his hair, you know, back, back when I wore long hair, I sometimes washed my hair. I, sometimes I would take two, three showers a day just to wash my hair because I didn't like my hair getting oily. I didn't like it being greasy. I like that fluffy look, you know. But Aaron, his head becomes oily. His beard becomes oily. His garments are oily. People could tell something had happened. Something had been poured over. And what had been poured over? It was the anointing oil. And you could smell him from a mile away. It was the anointing oil. People could see the anointing that had been poured over Aaron. They could smell the anointing 
that had been poured over Aaron. And I believe that God wants to anoint us in such a way and move in a such a way in our life that people can see and recognize and realize that there is anointing. There is something that is different about us because God has poured His Spirit over us and into us and it has changed us forevermore. Pouring suggests a large distribution. (coughs) Keeping in mind in this day there wasn't modern bathing facilities like we have today. Most often when a, a person was bathing, the bathing process would occur with somebody pouring water over another one's head. You see, so when we see that the oil was poured up there, it's like we could say that he was bathed in the oil. The oil of anointing that God had designed, God had, God had given the recipe for and, and somebody in obedience had, had put it together. I want you to know that when we, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us, we're bathed in the Holy Spirit. We're saturated in the Holy Spirit. It covers us from head and it covers us to toe. I like what in the scripture of Titus Titus in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. He said, He saved us not because of righteous things He had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I believe that Jesus is a difference maker. I believe That scripture that says, behold, all the old things have passed away. And behold, everything has become anew. I believe, I still believe that when the Holy Ghost is settled upon us, I still believe that our walk is a different walk and our talk is a different talk and our goings are different. God begins to change our life. We look different. We smell different. We act different. I'm not suggesting that we're instantaneously zapped into some state of perfection because here I am some 40 some years later and I'm still not found a state of imperfection. But I believe that there is a work that is continually going on in my life. Every single day it's been going on for these last 43 years and God is molding me and shaping me and His oil is being poured out on me to make me into what He would have me to be. And that is exactly the same thing that He wants to do with every one of you in this room this morning. God wants to pour His Spirit out over us and He wants us to be saturated in it where we even smell like Him, we look like Him, we act like Him. And I want you to notice this. The anointing, the pouring out of oil over Aaron's head, it wasn't a secret deal. I didn't say sacred. I said secret. It wasn't a secret deal. Aaron, You see, Aaron wasn't took in the back room. Now, I'm not suggesting that God wants to make a spectacle out of any of us. Don't go out of here and say that. That's not what I'm saying at all. But let me tell you what, I read the scripture and it says, if you, be, if you are ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Mm-hmm. And what was done in Aaron's life 
was not done in secret. They didn't take him back in a back room and do it somewhere, pour oil over him somewhere. But it was done in a public setting, in a public atmosphere. This anointing, this, this priestly consecration, as the oil was poured over his head, everybody could see and everybody could know this guy, this guy, the Spirit is being poured out on him and he is serving in a priestly capacity. I want you to know this and then realize this with me this morning. What God wants to do in your life, He not only wants to do it for you in secret, but He wants to do it for you in public. Don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of the anointing that He has covered your life with. Don't be ashamed to confess Him before men. It's in the great city of Jerusalem. It's in the center of the city. And it's on the busiest day of the year. Am I talking about Aaron's pouring anointing? No, I'm talking about the day of Pentecost. I'm talking about the birthday of the church. The birthday of the church did not come off in uh, in somebody's house, a little cabin or a little little hut somewhere over in the backside of Jerusalem. No, it was in the center of the city, up on top of a hill. The upper room actually means it because it sits above the city. It sits on the hill. And there in that upper room, when people were there and they the recipe was brought together, people were bringing everything together just like God told them to. They were there abiding one mind one accord and they were praying and seeking the face of the Lord and all of a sudden the oil began to be poured out on top of that hill in Jerusalem and the New Testament church was birthed and people began to wonder what in the world is going on what in the world is happening these people must be drunk and it's only nine o'clock in the morning and the apostle steps out and he says these men are not drunk as you all think they are but this is that that was prophesied by Joel God has poured his spirit out Listen, God does not pour His Spirit out merely in a prayer closet, but He also pours His Spirit out in the public setting in order that the church be recognized, not not glamorized, not made into some Hollywood profile, but God's church will be recognized and noticed throughout the world. And I believe that God still wants His church to be noticed today. You know, you're at you know a lot of people get all. Uh, uh, we, Sarah and I are acquainted with some people we, uh, that, uh, uh, in, in some church building projects. In fact, you know, this church, if you ever notice, this church doesn't have a steeple on it. And I never asked why, I just figured you didn't want one. Uh, but a lot of people, uh, in circumstances that Sarah and I have run into over the years, they said, well, and we had one couple in our church, bless their hearts, they're going on to be with the Lord. And uh, one of our previous pastorates, they said, we got to get a steeple on this church. I said, why? Why Why are you, why? Because it's not a church without a steeple. It's got to have a steeple. Uh, okay. I said, well, if you want one, if you want to buy it, that's okay. Well, they bought it. You know. And we they, well, put it on there. Hired the crane and everything. But you listen to me. But but the steeple had nothing to do with necessarily with God. But understand, the steeple was put on buildings years ago because the church was the focal point of the community. 
The church was the, the church was the, used for the town hall. The church was used for meetings. The church, the church was used, the, everything in the community centered around the church. Two things that a community would be built around in the early days of especially this country and different nations of the world is if you had a well, a water well, and you had a church. And those two things would cause people, settlements, people to sit around. And, and people, people, people would put the steeple because then you could see the building from many, many miles off. That's the purpose of steeples. Nothing, there's nothing biblical necessarily about a steeple. But here's the deal. You can have a building just like this one right here and it may not have a steeple on it. And, and if we had one up on top of this hill, we'd probably have to put a flashing light on it to keep our airplanes off. I don't know. But, but the reality of it is, the reality of it is, the church should be visible in the world that we live in. And I'm not talking about buildings. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about me and I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the church that is full of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the church that God has poured the oil over and anointed it. So that this is what it has to do with you and me. We're not here for a sideshow. We're not here for a spectacle. But here's what we're here for. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, the Lord says, Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is to come. From the, seven, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our, from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Listen to this. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. I put that in bold for a reason. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God His Father. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. In the Old Testament, as you read the book of Leviticus, there were only a specific number of people that entered into the priesthood. There was only then, and those people were anointed to serve. But in the New Testament church, I find as many has believed upon Jesus Christ has been crucified, buried, and risen from the dead. I find that we have been called to be priests in His kingdom. We have been, let's see, a priest was a represent, representation or a representative of the kingdom of God. Guess what? If you're a believer in this room this morning, or if you're a believer at home watching uh, by social media, you are called to believe, be a representative of the church. There's an old old an old joke that goes around. It's not really a joke, but it, I, I, I guess it's uh, I, it's an illustration. I guess you would call it. It says, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Wow. We watched a cowboy movie there last night and was watching that cowboy movie and they had this guy in and he had run another guy off the cliff on his horse and 
murdered him in that way, but there wasn't enough evidence there to prove it. So he was set free. But but if we were arrested for being a convict for for being a Christian, is there enough evidence? The people on your job, the people that you that you encounter, the people that that you live your life with, people that live in your own house, do they know that you're a Christian? Hello. Do you have the oil poured over you? Do do you have that fragrance that you can smell from a mile away? You see, the church, the born again, the the saved by grace follower of Jesus, we've been called into a priesthood. And and it's not of our, our qualifications. You see, it was Moses pouring that anointing over Aaron that qualified Aaron. I want you to know, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is our qualifier. It's not our financial or social status. How much education we have. What kind of clothes we wear. It's none of those things that qualifies. But what qualifies us is the fact that we have been anointed by God. We have been, we have been washed in His blood and bathed in His Spirit. And His Spirit has been poured out over us. And we have been anointed priest, representative. Just like this says. He's made us a kingdom of priests for God His Father. All glory and power and honor. Amen. None of us will probably ever wear robes or a cleric collar. But yet we're called to be priests. Carriers of the message. Carriers of the message. The oil that anointed Aaron, I already shared with you the recipe, told you what the cost was even back in that day. That was very expensive. People got upset because Mary broke her box of oil and they thought she had wasted it on the feet of Jesus. Let me tell you something. As expensive as all of that oil was, none of it has a value that's comparable to Jesus Christ. There's no greater price, there's no greater anointing, there's no greater oil that can be poured out upon you and I than the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes. And we're entitled to through the person, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, He makes us look better, smell better, act better, and He'll even make us feel better. So as they come back to music, I want to charge you with something. I want to encourage you. You'd say, I don't feel much like a priest. I don't feel too important. Let me tell you this. Don't let your value be placed on you by somebody else. Don't even let your value to the kingdom of God be placed by your own self. Understand your value to the, in the kingdom of God is placed by none other than the Lord Himself. Years ago when my son was little, you know, and those of you, some of you may not know him or realize he'll be, my, my little boy will be 38 years old next month. I can't believe it. I don't know how I could just be 42 and he'll be 38, you know. Uh, 
But I remember when Zach was little, that's his name, when Zach was little, he was probably four or five years old, maybe at the most, and he had a shirt that had this little boy's picture on the front of it with his hands up like this, and he had chocolate all over his face, and on that shirt it said, God don't make no junk. And I want you to understand, God doesn't make junk. When the, when the, when the Spirit of God works in your life, you may be looked upon, you may have been spat upon, you may not, you may be considered of low social status, you may be considered that, that, that you're, you're poor and you're, you're, you're hopeless and you're, everything's red. But let me tell you something, God doesn't make any junk. And what, what, what the world may look at and how the world may value you or even how you may value yourself, has nothing to do with how God values you. Because when He pours His Spirit out upon you, He said you're no longer just a somebody, a a nobody, but you're a somebody because you become a priest in my kingdom. You're of great worth. And you're of great value. So when it comes down to, to it, Aaron was oiled up and he was ready to go. When Moses got through with him, he qualified. You see, when we read the Old Testament, when you study the Old Testament, the Old Testament is given in, in I'll use a big word, it's called typologies. Illustrations and typologies. In in the Old Testament, Moses, Moses, Moses is Jesus and Aaron is you. Moses is Jesus and Aaron Jew in the Old Testament. And the oil is the Holy Ghost. And when Aaron's called to come forth, and Moses pours the oil over his head that sanctifies him for the Levitical priesthood, I want you to think about you. Jesus is Moses. You're Aaron. And the oil of the Holy Ghost is poured over you to qualify you. It's not where I've been, what I have done, what I've accomplished. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people more educated than me, but I've accomplished quite a bit of education. But I want you to know, it's none of that stuff that qualifies me. But what qualifies me is my Lord and my Savior. That said, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send you another comforter. He, uh, it's the Holy Ghost. He's a he. It's not a it. He is a he. And he will be poured out upon you. And he was poured out on that day of Pentecost. And he's still being poured out today. And he's filling our lives. And Aaron got all soaked up. He soaked in all that oil. I can't see him saying, hurry up, give me a towel. I think Aaron just stood there and soaked it in. And sometimes that's what you and I need to do. We just need to take time to soak it all in. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you a question. And not to embarrass anybody. I ne- my intention is never to embarrass one person. But if you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus, or if you're home watching, or in your car driving and watching and you don't know Jesus,
If you if you're unsaved, that's what I mean. If you've never made the commitment, the prayer of faith that Lord, I believe you is my Savior. If that's you, if you're unsaved, or maybe you've drifted far away from the fold, and you know you need to come back. If that's you in this room this morning, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Anybody at all? Assume that there's no one in this room that, that needs to give their heart to the Lord since there was no response. If I'm wrong, you can call upon Him. Make your election sure. But I want, I want everybody that can and will to do me a favor. I want as many as would come to join me down here around this altar. And I just want us to, uh, I just want us to just open our hearts to say, Lord, pour the oil over us. Aaron wasn't bound. Aaron wasn't drug into the, uh, you know, Aaron wasn't drug into the, uh, to, to the place, to the, to the area that he, the oil was poured on him. Now I believe Aaron came in because he knew that, that Moses, is, Moses wanted to do something great for him. His elder brother was going to pour the oil over him. I would like for you all to join me around this altar and let's just open our hearts and say, Lord, pour your oil out upon us today. Would you join me today?